It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the podcast, it's our special Saturday edition of Locked On Steelers. We're going to talk about day two of the NFL draft. The Steelers having both a second round pick and two third round picks. So the Steelers having three picks on day two of the draft. Uh, and we're going to talk about all three of those prospects. Before we get to that, I do want to talk about the pick of Terrell Edmonds in round one. Kind of a follow-up to yesterday's podcast. Because again, I, you know, I was not as excited about that, po- about that pick as I wanted to be. Now, I do want to say I, 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 I was banging the drum and banging the table for Justin Reed uh, in a lot of ways, or Jesse Bates. And, and I have to admit that I was wrong, especially in the evaluation of Jesse Bates. He did not get taken until the third round by the Houston Texans. Now, whether that's because of on-the-field things or, or off-the-field, we won't know. It seems likely to me that it had something to do with, with off-the-field issues. But you know, for me to say that Edmonds was such, of a, such a reach and Reed would have been a better first-round pick, clearly at this point, that is false, right? I still think Terrell Edmonds could have been had in, in the second round, but regardless of that, Justin Reed wasn't drafted until the third round. So for me to say Justin Reed should have been taken in the first round over Terrell Edmonds obviously would have been the same value if we're talking about Edmonds being a third-round pick. Justin Reed ended up being a third-round pick. So I did want to throw that out there. And again, I, I want to say, you know, I know I was I, I sounded negative on yesterday's podcast, and I'm not thrilled about the Terrell Edmonds pick, and I'm not thrilled about him as a prospect, especially as high as we took him. But I want nothing more than to be completely wrong about that, right? I want Terrell Edmonds to be a, a Rookie of the Year candidate this year and have a long and prosperous career in the city of Pittsburgh uh, for the Steelers uh, and, and him be a key contributor on this defense for many years to come. And I, and I look forward to, to using yesterday's podcast against me uh, You know, five years from now when Terrell Edmonds is one of the best defensive players in the league. I, I, I hope that that is the case. Now, let's talk about the day two players that the Steelers take. The Steelers had pick 60 in the second round, and they took wide receiver James Washington from Oklahoma State. Wide receiver was a, a position coming into the draft that we knew the Steelers were going to have to take just just judging by the depth chart. Wide receiver was certainly going to be uh, you know a need or a want, as the Steelers would say. Um, now, trading Martavis Bryant sort of you know increased the need or increased the want, right? Uh, meaning that now it's not A.B., Martavis, Juju. It's just A.B. and Juju, and behind them you've got Justin Hunter and Darius Hayward Bay. So something had to be done at wide receiver, and in the second round, the Steelers addressed that with James Washington. Now, we talked about James Washington on the podcast, and we talked about all the different wide receivers, but let's break down James Washington a little more. He is a he is a deep threat receiver. That is his go-to trait right now as a receiver. Not a big guy, right? Not, not, not a tall guy. Not an overly fast guy. 5'11", 213, ran a 4'5", 40. So, again, you think about these your deep threats. You think about guys who are 6'2 and above, and run 4-4 four, four and under. You know, you, you talk about Martavis Bryant, who I believe is 6-4, ran a 4-3-40. James Washington doesn't check those boxes. But what he does check is, is he does not play with 4-5 speed, if that makes sense, right? When you watch James Washington run a deep route, 
there are not there is not a corner or a safety that's keeping up with him after he gets by you. Right? He does a great job of sucking up the safety or corner and then beating them deep and 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 getting them on a go route. And he does it every time, whether it's whether it's a whether it's a go, whether it's a post, what uh, you know, whatever it is. If if you want James Washington to beat the safety deep, to beat the corner deep, more often than not, he's doing it. And he's not getting caught from behind afterwards. You don't have to worry about that four or five speed coming back to haunt them. He's got real long arms, big hands. What I like most about James Washington is that, yes, he figures at the early parts of his career to be a one-trick pony, right, to be a deep threat. Now, the Steelers need a deep threat receiver because losing Martavis Bryant really means the Steelers don't have anyone who, you know, who is the take-the-top-off-the-defense type of receiver, right? A.B. is great at going deep, but A.B. is also great at everything, right? The Steelers really used Martavis Bryant as a, okay, you want to put you want to put two two guys on on uh, on AB. Well, you also have to to contribute someone as a deep safety or someone deep to to watch for Martavis. Losing Martavis means we lose that part of our offense. So adding James Washington again, it's a one for one, like for like. Now Randy Feekner described James Washington in in his uh, press conference today, talking about James Washington and saying that you know James Washington, yes, today he feels that, but he's got some trait that we hope he can develop further and. And that is, that is the goal with James Washington, right? Is you're going to bring him in. He's going to be a deep threat receiver. But he's a big guy. If you, go, if you go watch him, again, he's not the tall, lanky, you know, wide receiver that, you know, is only good for, for deep balls, right? He's not Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was a great deep threat receiver for this team. Came in, looked great. You know, he had, was, was averaging over, you know, 20 yards a, a catch for his first two seasons. And it felt like, wow, this guy, you know, if he develops, he can be a true number one in this league. And he never could, right? He, he just continued to be somewhat of a one-trick pony in this league. And that's why, ultimately, he had to be, you know, he, was, he went to Miami, didn't have a ton of success there, found his way to Baltimore, where he had a little bit more success. Um, but, again, never became a, a true number one guy. Never became anything more than, you know, the, the, the long, deep threat, and then every once in a while, you know, he can make a play for you. James Washington, I think, figures to be better than that. Because at the beginning of his career, he's going to use his skills as a deep threat receiver to his advantage. But over time, using his big bulky body, using his long arms, his strength that he has, I think he's going to develop into a more well-rounded receiver. And even if his even if his ceiling is to be a great slot receiver for this team, that is exactly what the Steelers need. If they plan on playing Juju on one side and A.B. on the other, and... and and Washington in the slot, and again, that's that's rarely how things work out with with how many different positions uh, and and how many you know di- different things are asked of wide receivers. Every receiver is going to get asked to play in every different role, but but just in a, in a kind of base setting, right? James Washington figures to to at least become more of a combat catch guy, right? Because of his strength, because of his arms, uh, because of his big hands. You know, he can be a guy who can who can not just be you know. Uh, he beats the guy and he's open by five yards and he catches a touchdown. Cool, right? That's what Mike Wallace did. That's what Martavis Bryant did. Where they both struggled was third and seven slant route, and you've got a you've got the safety draped all over you, and you've got to bring that ball in, right? Or you know Ben throws it up and this the free safety's coming over and you got to you got to jump up and bring that ball down in between in between a corner and a safety, right? And you've got to survive the hit. That's where I hope. James Washington can continue to develop his game. Because that's what's going to turn him from a one-trick Mike Wallace type 
player into a more well-rounded wide receiver for this team. So I like this pick a lot. I, I like James Washington coming into this. I know DJ Chark was available when the Steelers picked. I think the nice thing about Washington is he has defined traits that I think are really going to translate to the NFL. Chark was a bit more of a projection. So to take him in the second round as your top receiver needing to replace Martavis Bryant with a guy who is a bit more of a project, probably not a smart pick. This was a smarter pick by Pittsburgh to take a guy like James Washington, who at the very least is going to be a very good deep threat and allow A.B. and Juju to continue to be the uh, the quality receivers that we saw them uh, be last year. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so moving on into the third round of the draft. And this is where things got interesting. We had heard when the draft started that the Steelers were interested in moving up. And that was as soon as the broadcast started. NFL Network reported that the Steelers were looking to move up. They did not move up in round two. In round three, they did. They moved up four spots, trading with the Seattle Seahawks and giving up a seventh-round pick. So the Steelers will only have three picks today. Uh, they have uh, two fifth-round picks and now one seventh-round pick because they traded up with Seattle to take, with the 76th pick in the third round, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, the excuse me, the quarterback out of Oklahoma State. And this was a player who we talked about the very, this was the first player we talked about on this podcast. This was a player that it had been so widely reported. The Steelers, are they interested? Are they not interested? Are the Steelers looking to replace Ben Roethlisberger in the long term? Are they not? Are these smoke screens? Are they really interested? That was the back and forth that you've been hearing for the last month. And it seemed like it had kind of cooled off and everyone said, oh, no, no. It's all been smoke screens. Come on. They're not really looking for a quarterback in this draft. They're just preparing for when Ben Roethlisberger retires. Then they're going to get a quarterback. That didn't end up being the case, right? That was incorrect. The Steelers had real interest in Mason Rudolph. Maybe not as a first-round quarterback, and thank goodness. But getting him in the third round is a much more interesting prospect. Because as I talked about when, when we did our evaluations of the quarterbacks in this draft, Mason Rudolph, to me, had a third-round grade. I think Mason Rudolph projects to be a backup-style quarterback whose ceiling is to be a solid starter, but over time, right? I think he could develop into a Case Keenum or into a Nick Foles and maybe even beyond that. But it's going to take some time to get there for him. My question's for him, but he has to he has to develop a defining trait. He doesn't, you know, the thing you're looking for when you're trying to find a franchise quarterback is what is he great at, right? Is he great at pocket awareness? Is he great? Is he, does he have great accuracy? Does he have a great arm? Does he have great timing? Great anticipation? Is he great at diagnosing defenses? Is he just a winner? Right? Does he have does he have that kind of swagger that that commands the room and commands the team and and puts his team on his back and says we're not losing this football game? 
What of those boxes does Mason Rudolph check? At this point, he doesn't check any of those boxes, which is why I had a real problem with, with the Steelers considering Mason Rudolph in the first round. But in the third round, while he may not check a lot of those boxes as being great, none of those do, do I think he has a, a fatal flaw where I think he cannot be good at the position. And that's why I think he is interesting. He's, I, I don't think he's, he's Lamar Jackson. But as a, but as a third round pick who could develop into a a starting quarterback, I think this is okay. I think this is the right time for the Steelers to take Mason Rudolph. Now it's look, it's it's interesting because there's going to be a lot of talk now about okay, the Steelers were interested in a quarterback in this draft. They passed on Lamar Jackson. What's up with that, right? And we can have that discussion later because I think that is interesting. The fact that they took Terrell Edmonds over Lamar Jackson in a draft where they clearly were interested in quarterback. That's interesting to me, and I, I do want to have that discussion at a later date. It's also interesting that they did not take Mason Rudolph in the first round, meaning that they do not get that fifth year. So with Ben Roethlisberger now saying that he wants to play potentially three more years, right? that means that by the time Mason Rudolph is a starter, he's playing in a contract year. And remember, quarterbacks are making an absurd amount of money right now so you know you could this team could end up even though we feel like Mason Rudolph is the future now he, he projects to be potentially the replacement for Ben Roethlisberger it may not be that easy because they don't have a fifth year on him and so if Ben really does play through these three or four more years that he wants to the Steelers may just find themselves in a Jimmy Garoppolo situation where they get to the end of Mason Rudolph's contract Ben Roethlisberger is still playing. He's not retiring, and you can't sign two quarterbacks with the salary cap being the way it is. So they may be forced to get rid of Rudolph or trade him like like the Patriots were able to. Now, let's all hope that Rudolph turns out to be as good as Garoppolo was and the Steelers can trade him for a second-round pick. But, you know, it, it this idea that Mason Rudolph comes in and, and is the starter and that you know, is a starter in three years, you know, it's... It's not an ideal situation because he because you don't get the Steelers are not going to get the luxury of playing Mason Rudolph as the starter for very little money, right? Which means that they can spread that money around to other players, spend a bunch of money on defense or a wide receiver or you know wherever they want to spend that money because they they're not they're saving so much. Again, Mason Rudolph figures to make you know a million a year under as a third round pick, whereas Starting quarterbacks are making 25 to 30. I mean, that's an insane value. The Steelers aren't really going to get that. So a little worrying for me there. I don't, again, I, I don't dislike this pick. I know I said I didn't want Mason Rudolph, but I didn't want him in the first round. I think in the third round, this makes more sense. The questions are going to be about, the questions for me now at this point are really about who is going to be the backup quarterback and what do the Steelers do with Landry Jones. But again, we can talk about that at a later date. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 
every day. And then finally, in the third round, the Steelers took, with the 92nd pick, Chucks Okurafor. I'm probably butchering that name, but a tackle out of Western Michigan. This is another This is another pretty much need pick for the Steelers, right? The only luxury that the Steelers really took in this draft was quarterback, and we knew the Steelers were potentially interested in getting a replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. So the Steelers go safety, wide receiver, quarterback, and then offensive tackle. An offensive tackle, like we said, was a need. They, the, Chris Hubbard going to Cleveland left a real opening at that swing tackle position. And it may not seem that important because it's a backup position, but I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to call it you know, a, a backup position. Think about how much Chris Hubbard played last season. Not just in the swing tackle role, but he also filled in for Marcus Gilbert when he went down for four games. And he was excellent in replacing Gilbert and in being the sixth offensive lineman on those on those plays where they where they used him you know as a you know kind of as a tight end slash you know second tackle. That was a great spot for him and and you know it, it's something the Steelers are going to miss this year. Now the projection would have been that Gerald Hawkins, the former fourth round pick from LSU would would take a step up and he would replace Chris Hubbard. But as we've talked about before, that doesn't figure to be the case because, you know, he barely even saw the field a year ago. He's he struggled to even be on the active roster most weeks. The coaching staff doesn't seem overly impressed with him. And so there was a real gap there between what the Steelers want to do and the and the players that they have to do that thing. So it, it made sense to me that the Steelers were going to go tackle in this draft. I am surprised that they went so high. Third round pick for a tackle. I mean, this can't ultimately this can't be you know, just a, a sixth offensive lineman for you, right? This guy has to eventually become the replacement for Marcus Gilbert or for Villanueva. It doesn't figure to be Villanueva because he just signed a deal. It is a it is a it is a cap friendly deal. So potentially the Steelers could get out of that deal. But you know, or this is the replacement for Gilbert, who is turning thirty. But third round tackle, it's a little high considering that again, this is we're just using him in a swing position, not going to play an every down player. Not to say it isn't important, but third round's a little high. So that wraps up day two for the Steelers. So we can now take a look at an overview perspective of what did the Steelers do in this draft. We talked a lot about this being an all-in draft for the Steelers. They have to, you know, this is a this is an all-in season. Should this be an all-in draft? How did the Steelers address some of the weaknesses that we saw a year ago? And how is this team going to get better? specifically defensively. Well, in the first two days of this draft, the Steelers went with three offensive players, a wide receiver, quarterback, and a tackle, and a and one defensive player, a safety. And a safety who may or may not be a free safety, especially not early, which might have been their biggest need. We're going to talk a lot more about this next week because the optics of this, and again, as we've gone through the picks, I don't, di- I don't dislike the pick of James Washington. I don't dislike the pick of Mason Rudolph, and I don't dislike the picks of of Okorafor. All three of those players, you can make real intelligent arguments about why they should have been taken and where and when they were taken. But as a fan looking from the outside and remembering what happened at the end of last season when the defense fell apart after Ryan Chazier went down and giving up 45 points to Blake Bortles. And you look at how did they address that in the draft? What did they do in this draft to address that? And that it is safety in the first round and three offensive players 
in rounds two and three. The optics of this are not good, and we will talk about it next week and, and what this means going forward for this team because, you know, I even I talked about don't expect this team to, you know, to take defensive players that are going to be day one, you know, help this defense turn a corner type thing, right? That's going to have to come from within. But even I didn't expect this to happen. So we'll talk about that next week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, the Twitter is at SteelerCountry. And I'll be back Monday to break down the entire draft, uh, including who the Steelers take in rounds five through seven. Remember, there's a lot of good players still left out there. Sean Dion Hamilton. Uh, Shaquem Griffin is still out there. Uh, there's the line, uh, the the running back Jalen Samuels, who I like a lot. Mark Walton is still out there. There's some good players the Steelers can get in rounds five through seven. I hope they're defensive players. All right, we'll see you Monday. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.